I know in high school, we, when we were in chemistry class, we were learning about significant figures and calling them sig figs. And so then we started, uh, instead of significant yeah. others, oh, we started cute. calling oh, this is my sig fig. <laughs> sig know? fig. Yeah. yeah. I like I'm into that. that. Yeah. Uh, well, so... Acquittal associate. <laughs> <laughs> Acquittal associate. If you're happy with the same old ways of dating... If you enjoy sucking at communication... And you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But... You want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships. Broaden your sexual horizons. Develop a better understanding of yourself. Or learn more about non-monogamy. Then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multi-Amory Podcast. I can see nobody. That's great. <laughs> just I think you guys are there, though. Yeah, welcome, everyone. <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. Well, welcome to all of you. Thank you guys for making it out on a sexy, sultry Wednesday night. Happy hump day, everyone. <laughs> to come see us. Um, for those of you that don't know, I'm Dedeker. I'm Jace. And I'm Emily. And we're the Multi-Amory Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So I know some of you have been listening for a while, some of you have been listening just for a little while, some of you were dragged here by somebody who <laughs> listens and have no idea what you're getting yourself into. Um, just to let you guys know, we started the podcast about two and a half years ago now, and um, it's just been phenomenal in the time since then. Um, we've gotten this amazing, amazing audience, and we've been able to connect to some amazing listeners. Um, earlier this year is when we started our very first West Coast tour, our live mm -hmm. recording tour. This show is technically the last show on that tour. Um, we took a month hiatus. There was kind of a month gap in between yeah. shows, because it turns out San Diego doesn't return calls when it comes to trying to book venues, so <laughs> it took us a really long but... time to get this place on board, um, or any place on board, but here we are. Um, and yeah, it's just been so fantastic and such a wild ride for all of us and still constantly surprising that people are paying good money to come see us chuckleheads <laughs> to talk about stuff. Um, before we dig into the topic tonight, um, is there anyone out there who's part of our Patreon community? We can't yes. see you, so see just yes. maybe holler. So the people yeah, who yes. are part of our Patreon, they're the people who... Um, choose to donate a certain amount of money each month to help sponsor our show. Um, and since we started the Patreon, I mean, it's great that we've been able to get a little bit of funding. You know, it's what's helped us be able to actually fund going on a tour like this. Um, but the best part has been us being able to actually connect to our audience. You know, like specifically our patrons have just been so fantastic and so supportive. So really quickly, I just want to uh, give a shout out and give some thanks yeah. to Thank our so patrons for being here tonight. And you helped fund the story, so yeah. we couldn't yeah, have, have done it without, without you. you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Let's Shall we do this thing? It. Yeah. Uh, so something kind of special for our live tour. We've been uh, just shouting out some questions and um, asking a couple things before we dive into the topic. So I can't see you. We were going to do a show of hands, <laughs> but you can just kind of shout out who here has had a coworker in the past talk about something related to their romantic relationships. And then what kind of things did they talk about? Just normal, you know. Chatting about their boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, yeah. wife, any yeah. of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. They got married, I heard. Yeah, somebody yeah, got marriage. married. Someone going on vacation. Oh my oh. god. Wow. That's not good. Wow. <laughs> That's really unfortunate for your coworker. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Well, oh, I don't have the strength heavy. to go on anymore. Yeah. yeah. No. Gosh. <laughs> um, Gosh. What? What else? What else? Any? Any? Like more anything mundane happier? things? Anything happier? At a Monday morning meeting at the place I just started working for, the one of the bosses got up in the meeting and said, "By the way, I got married this weekend." Okay. Oh. Yeah. Great. Did great. he elope nice. or what? Like. <laughs> I, I guess everybody knew him, and everybody knew the woman he oh, okay. married, but they uh, didn't. Got, got it. Got it. Were they coworkers? Were they both coworkers? They're in different departments, but they were. Uh, I see. Okay. 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 It's like okay. marginally okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 got it. So speaking of marginally okay, um, got a crazy light show going. Wow. On yeah. This is- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Keep Paul. Can we, Paul, can we that bring that? Yeah. Maybe that one goes off. Okay. Uh, so, what are some examples of things maybe connected to relationships, maybe not uh, that are not necessarily acceptable yeah, to talk about at work? So Having more than one. Yes. Sure. Yep. I'm sure we can all relate to I that. I feel like you've skipped ahead to the... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He gets two. I get two. Uh-huh. Nice. Nice. Okay, good. Good for you. Good for you. There yeah. Go. That's, Thanks, that's Thank you, Paul. There, right? <laughs> Other things that aren't acceptable to talk about at work. Religion. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 The money, religion. Yeah. yeah, the two classic religion, politics. Exactly. Anything else? Yes. There we go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Kink. 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 Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. For sure. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so can can we talk about uh, you know I know someone in the back called out you know talking about having multiple partners um, or talking about kink like why isn't it okay to talk about these things at work? Puritanism. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a long history of that mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. What about polyamory specifically? Even though you know maybe you're not going to go to work and talk about the fun time you had at the dungeon over the weekend, but um, <laughs> or but like, you might, but or maybe you might. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, like, why polyamory specifically? Why is that not okay to talk about? It makes people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They feel like their own relationships are getting judged. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. A lot of people don't know the difference between polyamory and polygamy. Correct. Yep. Yes. Yeah. It's a huge one. So they think maybe it's it's almost crossing that line into talking about religion? Yeah. yeah. Or, like, weird, a weird culty yeah. thing? And I think there's a, there's a consent issue that goes along with polygamy that people have a perception that polygamy doesn't necessarily mean all of the parties are consenting. Sure. Yeah, yeah. when we hear the word polygamy, we tend to think like a bearded man named Ezekiel and child brides and, <laughs> and things yeah. like that and some oh maybe some shady yeah. compounds out in the desert. Yeah, someone definitely. else someone else mentioned sex as an inappropriate thing to talk about at work. Yeah. What about that? I feel like what about that when you start talking about polyamory and people say, "Well, why can't you leave bedroom stuff in the bedroom?" Has anyone ever gotten that reaction before? I did when I started this podcast. Definitely. <laughs> My best friend was like, why do you need to do a podcast about that? Should stuff you do in the bedroom stay in the bedroom? Yeah. <laughs> to which I wanted to say, like, oh, well, you wear a wedding ring. Like, shouldn't bedroom stuff stay in the bedroom? <laughs> like, exactly. exactly. No, we don't want to know. What's oh, going on there. I don't want to know about your bedroom. About your sexual exclusivity. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> it's like TMI. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, um, again, just shout out yes or no or whatever you would like if you want to elaborate. But does anyone currently feel unsafe in a workplace, like physically, mentally, emotionally, um, talking about their relationships? Or just just in general, just in life, does anyone feel unsafe to talk about their relationships? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have kids, you know. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a huge one. That's a huge one. We don't know. 
Yeah. Yeah. We can talk yeah. about it and then somebody will be like, well, that's not safe for the children. Look at the children. Yeah. Save the children. They are. They're no longer our children. Yeah. yeah, I love your voice for those people too. Like, oh, save the, the children. children. <laughs> Isn't that a song lyric? Like, yeah, they will teach the us the way. Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. a weird, like, is your boss like a hut or something? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, what we wanted to kind of dig into tonight was this phenomenon of being polyamorous or being non-monogamous in a world that's still very monogamous, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. and a world that's going to probably stay quite monogamous for a while, you know, probably for as long as we're on this planet, as long as we know. And that's not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing, um, but it is obviously something to be aware of. You know, I, I feel like when I do interviews or even just when people are asking me about my life, and people ask, like, well, do you think this is the next big thing? Do you think this is going to mm-hmm. replace monogamy? Um, and, like, n- like, no, I don't think anything is going to replace monogamy on this wide, deeply ingrained cultural level. You know, there'd have to be kind of a major, major paradigm shift for that to happen. Um, and so there is this kind of reality that I found of having to accept the fact that even if you do connect to a really open, welcoming, understanding community, in the world at large, there's still a lot of misunderstanding, as Mm -hmm. it were. And so tonight we wanted to kind of go through some of the common challenges uh, just of being very non-traditional in a place and in a culture that is very traditional, and also talk about some strategies for handling that um, with, you know, ease and grace and... A minimum of chaos. Right. We try not to do a lot of just like plain old complaining with no purpose on this <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could There's, do that all as day good long, as it feels. If yeah. you if you want that, you can go on Reddit. There's that's uh-huh. all it is is complaining. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So so we broke this up into a few categories, uh, and the first one that we wanted to talk about is invisibility. Is basically just that. People don't know about it, and that a lot of us don't feel like we can talk about it mm-hmm. in public. Uh, and so, part of what comes with that is that, like most of us, even if we don't have like a very uh, monogamous people, I should say, even if they don't have a very specific like support group, they still can get support in a lot of places, right? You could show up to work and be like, "Man, you know, having a hard time with my girlfriend right now." Uh, you know, whatever, We're, we had this fight, so I'm feeling a little down today, whatever. The, there's those sorts of, like, quote, normal conversations that you can have at work and get support. And people will be like, oh, man, that's so hard. Or, you know, if you go through a breakup or something like that. And same with your friends and your family. But when you're polyamorous, you don't necessarily have that. Because maybe at work they only know about one of your partners. Maybe that's the way you've decided to kind of keep it from them. Yeah you have a breakup that's devastating in another relationship of yours, what do you say? Yeah. It's, you know, it's hard to reach out and get that kind of support to say, yeah, yeah my like, other girlfriend broke up with me or my, yeah. or, or, God, me, or God forbid, like my boyfriend broke up with yeah. me this week and they'll be like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, um, 
way fewer outlets that mm-hmm. I think that when we're moving in much more traditional circles that we can really much get very used to, you know, just even being able to casually mention like to a coworker, like, oh yeah, I'm planning out this vacation or like, oh, well, I'm going to meet my boyfriend's parents this weekend, you know, and then you can't come back the next week and be like, well, I'm going to meet my other boyfriend's parents yeah. this weekend. <laughs> um, and it seems like a very small thing. It seems like a very insignificant thing, but I found with these very small insignificant things, it's, I mean, I don't mean to sound dramatic, but sometimes it can almost be like death by a thousand cuts a little Mm -hmm. bit, where it is just all these very little things, these very little moments when you have to omit or hold yourself back or kind of try to do these mental and verbal gymnastics to get around having to actually be truthful and upfront, um, which can be for very valid reasons, of course, you know, if you can't be out of the closet. Um, But still, it's a lot of things that... um, other people can take for granted yeah. mm-hmm. until you don't have them anymore. And we don't have a lot of role models out there. I mean, we, we did an episode recently on polyamory in the media and in literature, in Shakespeare and media and in books and, uh, you know, and movies shows, and television. Movies, yeah. yeah, there's not it, it's often demonized. It's a thing that's like bad or it's looked at as okay this is the reason why somebody is breaking up Um, or or it's just othered if it's not demonized it's just it's the other you know it's kind of it's kind of like those weirdos over there you know Mm -hmm. whether it's oh those weirdos over there how shocking or it's oh those weirdos over there how intriguing um it's still just kind of othered yeah it's not a thing that is i think still in popular culture i mean it's nice because we talked about how um, in that episode, we spoke about how it is coming more to the forefront, but it still isn't this thing that people really understand or know. And I often, I mean, I'm, I'm seeped in this world so much now that when I go to a mixer, I, I went to a, an alumni thing for my school last night and just talking to people about polyamory at all. And I'm very out, obviously, <laughs> but talking about it at all is incredible because they, it just, it blows people's minds to even know what it is. Someone asked me like, well, you must just have an amazing sex life, right? <laughs> you just must be having sex with everyone. Did she and I'm specifically like, say, like, don't you have the, like, the most satisfying yeah, sex life? Yeah, she said satisfying, yeah. and I was like, well, okay. That, that's a nice thought, yeah. Um, it, and yes, it's, it's wonderful, but, mm-hmm. but it's not obviously the only thing, and I, I forget how uh, it isn't a thing that people think about that often. Mm-hmm. And if they're never exposed to it, then they're never really coming across it, and it's not a thing that they would even know what it is. Yeah. So, yeah. so I saw, did I see a hand? Was that okay? Maybe yeah. No, no worries. Like, you can. You can. You feel <laughs> free to. You can give a spirit fingers. Voided warranty. Yeah. Like oh, first you're having problems. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's quite. Typical. I see. You. Yeah. You unscrewed that one screw through the <laughs> sticker that says when you do this one, then you. Yeah. 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 Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I did that to a laptop recently. Uh, <laughs> Right. It's really so, funny. I like I'm gonna write that one. Exactly. Down. And that's I've never thought of it as avoided warranty. No, I, I like that. I like that. That's mm-hmm. good, yeah. Um so that that's something that I found especially earlier on, uh in you know, in first discovering polyamory and and voyaging into the world of non monogamy was that when I was having struggles or just feeling frustrated or whatever it was that I didn't feel like there was anyone I could go to. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what I will say is that, you know, now years after that, I do feel like, oh yeah, I could, I could name off a number of people that I could go to who, you know, who I know and feel comfortable enough with to talk to about it. Um, 
you know, but who don't necessarily also know those people, right? Because we get into that problem where, like, when Emily and I lived together, she was, like, the person I would talk to about any problem I had in any relationship because I couldn't go to my best friend because he'd be like, oh, well, it's because you're doing polyamory Mm -hmm. or, you know, couldn't Mm -hmm. go to my family because of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Even if they're supportive of it, they're still not, you know they're going to be more likely to blame that as a problem. Yeah, it's the default issue in the relationship. That's why I go. Right, which leads us into sort of our number one solution or thing that you can actually do proactively for this problem of invisibility and lack of role models and lack of support, Uh, and that is finding a community. That is creating that kind of community. Um, And as Dedeker was saying, you know, we've had an awesome opportunity to do that with our Patreon members because we have a, a Facebook group for Patreon members that's been a, an amazing place for support uh, and our like our monthly video discussion group that we also do for that. And that's been an amazing support for not only for them, hopefully, us, but for us. Also. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I vividly this... recall crying at the last <laughs> one. So. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Exactly. It's It's a super helpful thing. And that's something that... You know, you could join our community if you want, but you don't have to. Like, yeah. that's something that you can find. Mm-hmm. And because of the amazing world of technology that we have now, that's not something that you're limited by just your geographic location mm-hmm. in terms of finding a community online, whether it's through Facebook or through Meetup or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if you, there's no Meetup close to you, now everyone in this room, you're in San Diego, so, like, no problem. You can find poly mm-hmm. Meetups if you're looking for them. Yeah. But if you're somewhere and you say, I can't, you might be able to find a group that would be willing to do some kind of a monthly video mm-hmm. chat. Yeah. Like, that we can do video chatting for free now. Yeah. yeah. It gives us a lot of opportunities for that kind of discussion group mm-hmm. and community that we didn't have in the past. Yeah. So. And the thing that is so valuable about finding some kind of community, whether large or small, is that any time that I've stepped into a space where there are like-minded people um, and just, you know, again, not having to do those mental gymnastics, not having to figure out, like, what have I told this person? Which boyfriend have I told them about? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, how do I need to keep what my story straight? That once, yeah. once I'm in that environment where it, like, that's just the one thing that's not on my brain, how much energy and relaxation is there? It's like, there's something freeing. inside me that just, like, yeah. relaxed that was kind of tense in all other times. And that, like, is so priceless. Mm-hmm. It's something that I always forget about um, because I'm, de- like, I'm definitely, like, a community curmudgeon, like, like I'm more of an introvert. Um, <laughs> but then once I actually step into some kind of community space like that, it's just such like it's just such a load off one's shoulders, as it were. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the other thing that we find, and a lot of people get frustrated with this, is a lack of appropriate language to talk about this. And it's specifically a lack of appropriate labels. Um, and I mean, mm-hmm. labels are tricky. You know, our party line on the podcast is always that a label should serve you. It shouldn't be the other way around. You know, you shouldn't like, pick a label and then be trying to get a relationship to live up to that or get yourself to live up to that, anything like that. Um, But we still have this lack of labels, you know, Mm -hmm. even calling somebody a girlfriend, a boyfriend, even if you call multiple people girlfriend or boyfriend, even that in itself carries so much weight and so much expectation from the person who's hearing it. You know, they have their own definition of it. And even now with the label of polyamory, this is becoming an issue, you know, because as it's starting to come a little bit more into the cultural zeitgeist, um, people are getting all kinds of different impressions depending if they saw... Um, you know, a late night special on HBO about it, or if they saw like a, a news report <laughs> on, or if they read something on CNN, or mm-hmm. or if they found our podcast, you know, like 
people's impressions of polyamory can be very, very different. Mm -hmm. And so the thing is that like at the end of the day, you still have to explain yourself, you know, that if I meet someone on a dating site and we both label ourselves as polyamorous, like they can be very, very different things. Mm -hmm. Um, And we kind of think it's important to move towards a more neutral language when speaking about someone. And this is something I've personally had to do as well, because I'm dating for the first time, a person who considers themselves gender neutral. Um, And so they, uh, it, it just, it, it took a second because my brain never had gone there before. And now that is very much within my vocabulary and to kind of do that as well with partner. Um, I, I think it is more of a just neutral thing. Yeah. I, I tend to like, the, I, I even shy, shy away yeah. from the term boyfriend anymore. And exactly. I just go to like partner for yeah. everybody. Um, yeah. because it's kind of a nice mix of, making it clear to somebody that like, Oh, partner, um, that mm-hmm. this is like a serious relationship. It's not like fuck buddy or, yeah. or friend with benefits well, or anything even, like that. Yeah. Dating. Like a lot of people, I mean, in the monogamous world, it's like, Oh, we're just dating. We're just, yeah. yeah it's not, yeah. it's not serious because we're just dating. But once you reach that boyfriend level, then all of a sudden it becomes serious or I'm, girlfriend. I'm curious yeah. to toss out to the audience. Like what labels do you guys use for your partners? Anything we haven't mentioned yet? Yeah. I used Paramore for a while. I liked that one. Oh, it was nice. very Shakespearean. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about all y'all? Do you use a variety of labels or? Oh, you can just shout them out. Lover. lover. I like yeah, Lover. That's great. Classic. Yeah. Well, we, we, we use the term primary and secondary, but I don't like the term secondary because it makes no yeah. partner is my primary, I guess, is uh, yeah. secondary is it's a fully fledged love. It's not secondary. Yeah. 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 I, I, that's the trouble too. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people get around that. Like if they are doing a primary secondary hierarchy, they get around that by using maybe like, this is my anchor partner Hmm. or my nesting partner. Um, you know, people who don't like using secondary and tertiary sometimes will, will go to that. Anybody else? I tried, I tried coming up with like a more sort of relationship anarchy leaning version of this, you know? So instead of by calling someone a partner, you're making a differentiation between someone being a friend and someone being mm-hmm. a romantic partner. Mm-hmm. And in relationship anarchy, you're kind of doing away with that duality between relationship types. Uh, I was trying to come up with like a significant person, but they all sounded so, <laughs> so cumbersome. Yeah, like they this sound very technical. One. I haven't found one that I like yet. Yeah, I know in high school, we, when we were in chemistry class, we were learning about significant figures and calling them sig figs, and so then we started, uh, instead of significant yeah. others, oh, we started cute. calling oh, this my sig fig. Yeah. Well, so... Acquittal associate. That's pretty specific. I like that it's... That sounds it's like it's legally protected. Yeah. I'm going to write or that one down, too. Quitus. Yeah. yeah, if you want to be real specific about exactly what that relationship's yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Like that. That's great. Making no bones about it. Yeah. I love that. Gosh. Um, so this, this kind of leads into, with the, the more relationship anarchy way of looking at things, mm-hmm. another option besides using this more neutral language is to try... Um, not using labels at all, Mm -hmm. which is, it's difficult. I will say from my experience, it's difficult, but the idea is to just start using their names instead of calling them my something, Mm -hmm. Uh, which also there's a whole like ownership thing that goes along with my something. And I know that really try to avoid that. 
Yeah, it's yeah. it's a tough one it's though good. because it's so normal in in English mm-hmm. to to use those sorts of labels when referring to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't generally repeat people's names over and over again while we mm-hmm. while we talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why we have pronouns. But yeah. these you know these labels are sort of a tricky thing. Um, but doing but, away with pronouns as well is kind of for sure. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Just do away yeah. with all language. Yeah, well, that's what I've been voting for I don't for know years. About that entire language. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> exactly. Be no, I have the fantasy. I'm like, I'm the person who, for so long, has hated having to talk. And like, if I could just communicate by interpretive dance, that would be that would be my dream. I would love to see my that dream. so yeah. much. Yeah. Um, and, right. Well, it wouldn't make for very good radio, but yeah. no, probably not. Um, um, and I think another way to help with this is sometimes it can be nice just to have a very direct conversation mm-hmm. with one of your partners or coital associates um, <laughs> of, of what what they like to be called, you know, and in particular contexts, what they prefer to be called, you know. That yeah, be- my, my example of this one is that a couple of years ago I went to Comic-Con with a girl mm-hmm. who I had been dating for a few months, and we met... She she knows like a ton of people in the Comic Con world, uh, yeah, and so like everywhere yeah. we went, she knew you know five people. But at one point, we met a guy that she used to work with, and she was like, "Oh, this is my boyfriend, Jace." I don't know. We had a conversation, then we walked upstairs, and we're getting some coffee, and then uh, met another person that she used to work with, and she's like, "Oh, this is my friend, Jace." <laughs> Introduced me a different way to this other guy, and then afterwards, she's like, "Oh." Like, was that okay? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know why I did that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Honestly, whatever thing feels appropriate to you, given mm-hmm. the context of your relationship with that person, go for it. Like, that's fine with me. But it did make me realize that that is a conversation worth having. Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like, I, I know someone who, who is married but hates being called a wife. Yeah. So she's like, don't call me that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, just kind of knowing what labels people like or don't like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this very much goes in line with, um, I mean, the whole label thing can get really tricky because we often have to apply labels very creatively if we can't be out necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if unfortunately we kind of have to hide certain relationships, um, Ideally, because of not being able to be out, not because you're like you know hiding your relationships away from the world, or or ideally your other partners, um, you know. And so that's the thing is is especially if you started out monogamous and opened up your relationship, often your friends and family only know you in the context of that one relationship, mm-hmm. and so it can be really awkward ever trying to acknowledge the existence of another relationship, mm-hmm. um, which can cause like a fair amount of heartache. You know, there yeah. can definitely within this theme of of keeping things invisible you know especially if there's only one partner that gets to be on social media you know only one partner that gets to go to all the family functions only one partner that gets to post the vacation pictures of you guys together you know Mm -hmm. that it can definitely cause a lot of tension Mm -hmm. and can get very emotionally heightened um especially if you're in a context where it's like you really got to make sure that your friends or coworkers or family don't see you with another partner because then they're going to think that you're cheating and then it's going to be just this big complicated messy thing thing. yeah Yeah. Yeah. uh again when emily and i lived together we rented out our guest room on airbnb and the first time you know we had a guy staying with us for a couple months uh and you know, I would have other people come over sometime and he might be home during the day and see me with this other girl. And I had to, I had this realization of like, shit, 
he's going to feel like he's complicit in cheating. Like, that by not saying something to Emily, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's going to feel uncomfortable. So I had to have Take that him talk. aside and be like, you know, I had to, had to come out to our yeah. Airbnb guests. <laughs> but like, no, no, didn't you guys... Like from then on, like anytime you had a long term Airbnb guest, you yes. kind of had to give them the talk we ahead of time. Them, we would tell them like, right away. Listen, after this that. is what's going on here. Yeah. 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 Which exactly. didn't hurt your reviews. You were still like super hosts, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah people were into it. Okay. Yeah, whatever. It's <laughs> fine. Nice, nice <laughs> uh, but, sorry, was there? I was going to say, um, one of the in terms of that, like coming out kind of a thing, and like you mentioned, posting vacation photos and whatnot. Mm. Um, we had a, a live-in roommate boyfriend for four years, mm-hmm. and towards the end of the relationship, we're like, we're going to be more open about this, mm-hmm. and people were shocked. Jeez. Like where we kind of thought, like we've been living together for four years, we've been posting pictures in Europe, we go everywhere we go on vacation, we go as a group, and people were just like, oh, they're just friends, and like <laughs> I the, the idea that it didn't even dawn, in, like it doesn't exist in people's reality. Means yeah. that you can actually, it's much easier, I think, to fly under the radar than, than we who are cognizant of it are, are you know, kind of trained to think it is. Like, yeah. We're yeah. very, very kind of gun shy about that. Well, just I, people's minds probably wouldn't even go there unless you're out. Yeah. 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 You know what, though? I was just having the thought the other day of how often I might see groups of three or four people out, and it never occurs to me either that they <laughs> yeah. might be a triad or a yeah, quad so or, or something that. else. Yeah. That, that's the thing. It's like you, I think like within the gay community, you know, we always say like, you know, you don't just come out once like Ellen on Newsweek. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Every day you're coming out because you're meeting yes. people and there's always this assumption of, you know, straightness. Right? Yeah. So it's like every day you're coming out. Yeah, you can't just do like one press conference and then yeah. it's done. Like, That'd be nice, world. wouldn't it? I've also had the experience as someone who identifies more as like pansexual, bisexual, that I might have to come out multiple times to the same person if it's if it's been a while since I've talked about a particular gender, right? I've tried to make it just pretty known to like every person. Like I yesterday, yesterday again, I started just talking about like, oh yeah, this person that I'm dating or this girl that I'm dating or this guy that I'm dating or just so people know, like, immediately, mm-hmm. oh, something's going on there. Right. So yeah. kind of what we're leading to with all of this, and this is another thing we talk about a lot on this podcast, is if you can, if mm-hmm. it is safe for you, to come out, to be as out as you can be safely. And that's up to you to evaluate what that means. You know, be sure that coming out doesn't pose a serious financial risk yeah. or, or a physical mm-hmm. safety risk to you. I mean, you have to make that or decision. Or a child custody Children, risk. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But if you can... By doing so, there's mm-hmm. a lot of benefits to yourself of just kind of not having to worry as much about what you're saying. When um, being able to have maybe more of a support group, I've yeah. also found I've gotten more dates that way. Because if people just know if someone else is either open to that or they are too, they're more likely to seek you out as opposed to yeah, that kind of like... Yeah, but there's also kind of the thing that I know that a lot of my gay friends have experienced where they're like, oh, I know another person who's gay. Like, <laughs> sure, but... you guys should go on a date. <laughs> and... That happens too. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah. happening. Yeah. Totally. And I'm always like, like uh... just listen to my podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh... Oh, God. <laughs> but um... the, the other benefit, though, is that in terms of this invisibility is that it helps that for all of us. Yeah. That helps that for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, the more out people there are, the less shocking or weird this is when, yeah. when someone does decide to finally admit that they're, you know, they're in a romantic relationship with this person who's been living with 
their yeah. other partner and them yeah. for years. Yeah, because I think that's the thing is, is it's not about like trying to get a monogamous world to be non-monogamous. It's right. just about normalization, yeah. right? It's another, yeah. another decision, another yeah. option. It's not, yeah. a, it's not a missionary uh, quest, assignment? What do they call them? Assignment? <laughs> a mission. A mission. A mission. Don't look at me. I don't fucking know. Yeah. I like the idea of a missionary quest, though. It's good. This is like we're in Skyrim or something. I know, it's much more yeah. fantastical. Um, but mission, okay. If you can't be out for whatever reason, then be aware of how hard it's going to be for the invisible partner or partners. Um, obviously, I mean, yeah, I knew a couple friends of mine. One was dating a girl um, who I worked with, and unfortunately she was the invisible partner, and she mm-hmm. talked to me a lot about the fact that it was just really, really difficult for her to see her partner being so out and open and loving with this girl, and it couldn't do that on social media with her, and it just it pays to be aware of that and to try to you know help in any way that, that you can mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. your partner. And as an entire population, if you think about the legislation and legality of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of the tax benefits and rights that go along with being... Oh, we're going to get to that. Yeah, we're... (laughs) You're trying to read ahead in the book, and that's good. You're a good A-plus student. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We'll have to get the rest of the class there. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And then also, as Dedeker was mentioning earlier, by finding a community that you don't have to hide, Mm -hmm. so at least somewhere you have that that place where you don't have to watch who you're talking about or who yeah. you're yeah. who you're holding hands with yeah, around yeah. them or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So we're also going to spend some time talking about um, just all of the assumptions and misconceptions that you go up against every single every single day or any time that you may be coming out. Um, the way that I think about this is is often I think about um, when you're learning a new language that's not your native language and. When you are first learning it, especially if you're learning as an adult, um, you know, your only frame of reference is your own language, you know, and so of course, any new word, any new grammar principle you get is going to be compared to your native tongue. And it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is like this, except that the order of the words is different. Oh, this is kind of like this word. It sounds similar. And maybe it's a similar meaning, you know, that that's, we can only look through a new language through the lens of our own um, until you get proficient enough to be able to speak more and think more in that particular language. And often it's the same thing when people encounter things that are new to them or things that are very non-traditional. And particularly with non-monogamy is for a lot of people, it's seeing it through the lens of monogamy. Yeah. And so that's, that's where a lot of these assumptions and misconceptions come from. They're not necessarily coming from a place of total ignorance um, or maliciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, or aggression, although they can come from those places, but usually it's just that. It's just, um, I'm seeing it through this lens of what I do know. You know, I have to compare it to what I do know. You know, so that's why we get these things like, like, oh, is it polygamy? Um, or, oh, okay, so, so like one partner is important, but then everyone else is just sex, because that looks like monogamy. Or, okay, great, but like, what are you going to do when you want to have kids? Because it has to be this two person monogamous diet. Or they're like, oh, that's great. Like, I don't want to commit yet either. Like, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, okay, you're playing the no. field. That's great. Like, you do you. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, it, but sometimes it can be a little malicious. <laughs> I it just okay. First date misconceptions, for example, as or, or pre-first date, yeah, misconceptions. or even that. Like yeah. I mean, in, this is not saying that everyone goes through this, but 
indebted in my, I guess, what we've gone through on OKCupid okay as female bodied people, um, gotten some shitty OKCupid okay messages, uh, some slut shaming, you said mm-hmm. beta cucking, um, and uh, if, for example, are you cheating on your partner, mm. or you must be an easy lay, or yes, you're just dating around. Yeah, or you must be DTF. Yeah, like or poly, exactly, like you're that. not relationship material. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm going to share. Yes. No, okay, oh, yeah, so go? Emily, yeah, like, <laughs> Emily went out on a first date with a man. Um, <laughs> if you can call him that. I... <laughs> And I just like so I would like to have Emily give like a dramatic reading of the text message that she received after going on a date with this man. Just for a little bit of backstory, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. this gentleman uh, was—he looked fun and attractive and um, you know exciting on OKCupid. I guess he's a writer for Hollywood or something. Um, But when I met Hollywood magazine or like the—I don't don't know—I I really couldn't say honestly. But uh, he, um, when I met him, he was about thirty to forty pounds overweight than he looked like in his pictures. Mm-hmm. He said that he had fallen and broken his arm and was addicted to painkillers now. So that was kind <laughs> of the charming. context for It's the a good opener. Thing. It's a great you know, opener. And I wouldn't have cared about that except for he proceeded to I talked to him about non-monogamy, and he showed me pictures of all of the women that he was sleeping with, and it told me that I should be involved. Um, and all then, his coital associates, yes, as it were. Exactly, as it were. And so that ended, and I, I was like, okay, I'm not obviously going to take this any further. Um, but I have saved this text message since 2013, because it's been, it's been a good, like... It's show, really good at parties. Well, it is good at parties, and it's good to show people, like, hey, like, this is not what I want. So I'm going to read it to all of you. Um, Okay. There's a dinner party tonight. It's about 40 people. Potluck. Be my date. Why? You're fun. You'll enjoy yourself and make a bunch of new friends. As for me, I need no strings attached sex. And you're the only girl I know of right now who seems like they may be down. Keep in mind... Wow, you're better than I thought you'd be. Girl last week after the fifth climax on her part. So that was like a direct quote. That was, yes. like, a, that was like a Yelp review. I know. And then, and then a couple days later, he was like, I don't know where you're at mentally, but I need a new booty call. I went sexless for four months on purpose. It was dumb. To let you know... It's oddly huge and described as beautiful, perfect. Can you make money off of this? And I'm quite decent. No strings, don't have time. And then later on he was like, that was a weird text. (laughs) (laughs) Was it maybe the painkillers talking? Maybe. I don't know. I'm sorry? Yeah, I, like I think it was a pain girl talking. talking. So uh, if you ever happen to be in a relationship with me, please don't write that. Mm. Um, Does anybody have comparable experiences on yeah. OkCupid? I'm assuming I'm definitely, definitely not the only one out yeah. there. All kinds of gross things. Yeah. 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 yeah, they make a lot of assumptions that yeah. you're just going to be yeah. DTF. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to be attracted to everybody. Well, Exactly. I've added mind your manners to my profile, and now I get a lot of like people laughing at the fact that I have to say mind your manners. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. And you're like, but if you saw all the things that I got before I said that, then maybe you'd put it on there as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm curious to hear, could I hear from um, anybody other than the women about like the assumptions that they get in online dating or it in dating? Both ways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah of um, course. Hey, I have two girlfriends. Oh, all right. Stud, Tiger, Chan, boss, yeah. chief. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> no, like I'm serious about them. Oh, well, you're serious about one of them, right? Jeez. Yeah. 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 Kind of like the player assumption, mm-hmm. for sure. I've, I've heard from guys that a lot of times people, they'll get messages that are same thing, slut shaming from women or being like, how can you be like that? Or, or lecturing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. This is a dating site. We don't need to be Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, you know? I've yeah. definitely had friends share their OkCupid okay message threads with me that, that did end up in that kind of like lecturing about you know, this particular guy as an actor and it yeah. was all tied into like how degenerate actors are and that they would do this sort of thing and yeah yeah an actor killed that. his mother or something i don't know like right. <laughs> so oh, yeah it's ridiculous I, i've also found that um i can also get a lot of assumptions that aren't meant to be negative mm-hmm. but are still wrong mm-hmm. um and i found that i get that uh, specifically mm-hmm. with okay cupid messages from men that it's a lot of that similar assumption of like, oh, it's about you just want to hook up sometimes. Or like one guy asked me, he's like, so what's the deal? Do you actually, you know, like, like to date guys, or you just like to get your dick sucked sometimes? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's like those sort of assumptions that it's mm-hmm. primarily about the sex part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it, they didn't mean it as a negative, but I was mm-hmm. like, you kind of missed what I'm going for. Yeah. Here. So which so is it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it's definitely, I'm almost like more toward the demisexual side of things. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely mm-hmm. not like first and foremost, like, Get my dick let's sucked. do some dick sucking first and then we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely not, not what I'm looking for. Okay, so, so what do we do well, about so, all of this? I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a very different ball game um <laughs> online dating versus when you date some when you date someone that you met just like at the bar or in a class yeah. or at work or something at a like friend's that. Birthday at a friend's party. birthday party yeah. whatever um that's my move yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where i meant to yeah yeah so obviously um i mean we always encourage people to be as out and clear as possible on their dating mm-hmm. profiles um to, you know, to the point of writing too much if they're too scared to read it, like they, you don't want to date them anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, going into too much detail rather than less. And of course, you're going to get the assholes always. That's mm-hmm. just how it goes in online dating. Um, mm-hmm. As far as, you know, dating people that you meet just out and about, uh, we obviously really, really heavily encourage just come out as early on before the first date as you possibly can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And this is, again, depending how out you feel like you can be within that given social situation. But this is something I found that by bringing it up as much as possible in conversation, and I do that by being like, oh, what do you do? It's like, oh, well, I have a podcast. <laughs> and I'll even though, like, this is Well, isn't... that's easy for you. Like, not no, everybody out there but, can but, do but, that. But, but similarly, though, you could use the podcast... Of like, oh, you know, what have you been up to lately? It's like, well, I found this fascinating podcast. Polyamory. <laughs> you can talk about multi-amory and like they were just talking about, you know, being polyamorous in a monogamous world. <laughs> you, know, you could, you could oh, talk really? about this. <clears throat> but yeah. that you get the conversation there so that you're just talking about it. So mm-hmm. then if you end up flirting with this person, they, there's not that thing of like, I'm flirting with you now, and then like, oh, by the way, I'm polyamorous. <laughs> kind of, you know what I mean? Like, it almost comes on too strong. So then they're like, whoa, I don't know. Like, I need to think about it. Yeah. Whereas if you've talked about it a little bit first, then maybe you get a little bit flirty later. Mm-hmm. They still kind of 
they've had some time to think about it and maybe might need more time still, but like, you know what I mean? It makes the, it makes that conversation about polyamory not seem so like pointed at you. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code multi. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code multi at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's multi, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code multi to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. You. <laughs> I'm polyamorous. So. You know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because um, I understand having these relatively direct conversations with people about these things. I mean, it can be very easy to, to get kind of wishy-washy about mm-hmm. doing this, um, primarily because of the fear of rejection. Um I, I went through a period of a number of years where on my dating profiles, I'd be just very watered down and talking about non-monogamy. When I would go out on first dates, I really wouldn't talk about it a lot because I was so afraid of somebody not liking me. Mm-hmm. I was so afraid of somebody rejecting me. Um, and it was definitely like, well, I'd rather them at least see that like I'm a cool person right. and a good person and not a weird person. And then maybe I can warm them up to it mm. and, and see how it goes. And like it went horribly every single time, you know, every, every single time. Um, but like I still run into so many people that have that same mindset of like, well, I need them to know that I'm not a weirdo first. And I need them to kind of trust me a little bit first. And I need them to warm up to me first. And then I'll tell them. And I understand the thinking behind that because it can hurt to be rejected just like out of hand as soon as you tell somebody you know it can hurt knowing that somebody's seeing your dating profile and being like polyamory non-monogamy pass you know no way like sure that sucks but it's kind of like the short-term sacrifice for much longer-term happiness rather than going for the short-term happiness and in the long run probably not really sustainable right because uh, i mean even with talking to someone about polyamory you know, on your first date or earlier versus waiting till like a week in, how much more does it hurt if it doesn't work out a few weeks in and you're attached and there's a lot more at stake, right? Or for example, like in your case at one point when you lived with someone and that person, someone, they brought a person home and then saw all of your stuff and were like, wait a minute. Yeah, I yeah. was. Yeah, I had a partner I was cohabiting with, and he was he was definitely a culprit of this kind of sugarcoating yeah. uh, technique to, to the point where he brought a girl to our house 
and, um, and when and I was she gone, didn't and know. she didn't yes. know that he was polyamorous or living yeah. with somebody. It was. It's it like was there's real a bunch bad. of women's clothing. Around. Like, there's a bunch of women's purses What's like hanging here? around. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. Okay, that was so, fun. Um, <laughs> uh, we want to talk about the relationship escalator. Yeah, that's like definitely a big driving force behind a lot of the assumptions that are made about people's relationships Absolutely. or relationship motivations. Um, I feel like usually these are pretty savvy crowds. People have heard about the relationship escalator. Yeah. yeah. Is, that, is anyone? Is anyone not? No. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Great. Thank you yeah. for your honesty. Yeah, so, <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. So the relationship escalator is this idea that in order for a relationship to be valid, it has to follow this very same upward ascending path that mm-hmm. starts out with like, you first meet, you go on a first date, you have your first kiss, maybe you go on a second date, you have your first sex, you decide to be exclusive, you decide to be boyfriend, girlfriend, 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 you know, whatever it is. Um, you date for a while, you decide to move in together, you get married, you have kids, then you die. Um, and that's it is essentially the assumption that all all real romantic relationships are on that path Mm -hmm. Um, and the important part of it is that it's not a staircase but an escalator so there's no going back the other way yeah yeah, it's a a one one way way one way track you either keep going up or you jump off yeah Yeah. like that's and go on a different escalator yeah yeah And and, and, it, yeah. and it's sometimes right. even people with multiple partners can still very much buy into the relationship escalator sure. thing because it can yeah. still be like okay great multiple partners is fine but for this whole escalator like I'm gonna pick one person and and do that and that do eventually that, yeah. and like that's that's fine it's just really important for people to be aware that that's what's going on mm-hmm. um, when you know I think what I've so loved about connecting to this community is that people are willing to really think outside the box or think outside the escalator as it were, you know, this idea that maybe I don't want to have kids with my romantic partner. Like maybe I want to have kids with my best friend and co-parent with them. And maybe Mm -hmm. I'll cohabit with my best friend raising this kid, but I'll still have my romantic partner and that'll be fantastic, you know? And Also, this idea that I've seen not only in my own life, but in the lives of many of my friends who are poly, many of my clients who are poly, um, but being able to take steps backwards on the escalator, you know, like switching the escalator off, as it were, so that Mm -hmm. you can use it more. Transitioning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, that in my life, I've had periods like with Jace specifically, where like we've lived together for a little while, a number of Mm -hmm. months, and then, and then we haven't, you know, I've gone to travel and. I've gone to live with other partners and then come back and like live with him again, you know, and in a normal monogamous traditional on the escalator relationship, that's not okay. You know, you move in together and then you realize like, we really love each other, but we're not great roommates. Mm -hmm. Um, If you move out, like that's pretty much the end of the relationship. I've been told that very specifically by friends who were living with a girlfriend and were kind of trying to decide like, one friend, not multiple friends, right? Living with a girlfriend. Sorry, yes. <laughs> this, essentially the same story for multiple people. So this is one, one guy living with a girlfriend temporarily for some reason, and then they were deciding whether to get a new place together or not. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, like you guys haven't been together that long. I'd recommend you know, that you get separate places for a bit longer and just kind of see how it goes. And he's like, oh, no, like if we got separate places, that that's the end. Yeah. That this is, she's made up. that very clear, that mm-hmm. if we either get a place together or this stops mm-hmm. that yeah. there is that sense that you can't take side steps on the escalator yeah. or backward yeah. steps yeah. Or, or anything like or that. 
Yeah, right. exactly. Or well, transition jump, out I mean, of... Jumping off is, is the other option, I yeah. guess, right? <laughs> or transition out of a romantic relationship entirely. I mean, I'm sitting next to two people who I was in a romantic relationship with mm-hmm. and no longer am. However, we still are incredibly close, mm-hmm. obviously still Possibly partners. even closer. Yeah, yeah still partners closer. in very many ways. We talk about how we're an emotional triad. Yeah, we're an emotional so, triad, and we're yeah. co-parenting like a little podcast baby. Exactly. Is, is how I think of it. Uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. like, that's essentially how we all work. Yeah, but I mean, I have many monogamous friends who are like, oh no, I can't talk to an ex again. Like, I never, ever, ever talk to an ex. Mm-hmm. That's it. We're done. Right. And it's, it's called a breakup because it's broken. Like exactly. That kind of thinking. And, uh, you know, I, I know. I it's sad true. That. It's sad. Like, I, I love this way of thinking because you don't have to do that. You can mm-hmm. still be in a relationship. It just looks different than it once did. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean you even stepped back. You are still moving forward. Everything is moving forward. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, to, yeah. use, to use Emily's explanation about the three of us, mm-hmm. that I feel like even though our relationships have have all changed in ways that in that yeah. traditional escalator could look like going backwards like Emily was talking about having you know a romantic and sexual relationship and then not or with Dedeker and I living together and then not for a long time while she lived with another partner right mm-hmm. stuff like that might look like going backwards but I feel like in terms of our relationship when I look at the whole scope of it it's absolutely been moving forward the whole time yeah sort of the level of intimacy and just the amount of history that that we have together um, and I definitely say that's true with with any of my relationships really that have continued whatever shape they've taken over that time yeah, yeah. I mean I kind of think about it because I know you said once that like sometimes a breakup isn't a step backwards it can be a step forward mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this idea of kind of like taking it up off of this like up and down scale right yeah. you know and more of just like just on this forward scale I mean because mm-hmm. that's just how it is, you know, right. as, as human beings in reality of just constantly moving forward. It's not necessarily a value judgment of how important or positive or negative it is. Yeah. It just kind of is. Yeah, you're walking forward and you're moving left or right or up or down or, you know, moving around, but you're still so going So it's like forward. you're in, like, space. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's, it's, like, it's, like in, it's like in Star Fox. Oh. Okay. When you do a when you do a barrel you roll, do a barrel. Yes. do a barrel roll. Yes. Thank you. Damn, I'm glad I you guys Starbucks. understood. I'm glad you understood what I was talking about. I feel like about. I've gone through a number oh, of relationship Lord, barrel rolls none. already this yeah, year. Yeah, that's true. Okay. <laughs> oh no, well, sloppy. Moving on. <laughs> I'm gonna keep talking about Star Fox. Okay, right. <laughs> if you must, you must. Um, well, we, yeah. So, in terms of of solutions to this, like, you know, what you can do about it. Uh, one of the things is just going out of your way to convey the importance of your partner, not only to them, but also to other people yeah. when you're talking about them. Whether you use their name or you use a certain neutral label or, you know, whatever you decide <laughs> to do. Um, but is it, it can be hard because you might have to repeat it over and over again and maybe for years until they finally believe you. Um, but that the importance of this relationship doesn't isn't measured by what sort of external benchmarks you've hit in terms of right cohabiting or getting yeah. married or any of those things um, but instead that you know the importance of your relationship comes from that relationship itself mm-hmm. uh, we were recently i guess we've talked about this recently but um we got an email from some people who have been married for a while and since oh, yeah. becoming polyamorous are now considering 
getting a consensual divorce simply so that there there's not this external force holding this one relationship above all their others. Yeah. Uh, really right? Cool. And that that's... You know, like they kind of had evaluated that as far as the specific tax benefits or financial benefits like weren't particularly needed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and yeah, they realized that it was causing this like weird power dynamic, even yeah. though they, they kind of practice polyamory in this relatively egalitarian, like non-hierarchical way. Yeah. And, and that they just came to this conclusion of like, well, like we can divorce in a way that's very not negative and yeah. doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything. It doesn't mean that our relationship's falling apart or yeah, that they can still retain the relationship. Yeah. That it's best just the same relationship. It's just that the legal contract around it is a little bit different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to talk about this more later. This yeah. is teaser number two. The first one was <laughs> when it was mentioned over here, we're going to get to that a little bit more later, yeah, but no. related to this whole relationship escalator thing, that's what motivates a lot of people who have misconceptions to ask you, a billion questions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Such as some of the questions that, I mean, Dedeker and I are approaching 30. And <laughs> uh, that is kind of the time in a person's life when people ask, like, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to get married? Or if you are really, I don't know, have been in a relationship with someone for a while, when are you moving in together? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I mean, we've had to deal with that specifically. The kid one for me is a little mm-hmm. bit like, yeah. eh, I don't know if I specifically want to do that. Yeah. Um, and yet it's still a thing that people tend to want to and ask. It, it, it works the opposite way, too, because sure. I found like when I was living with another partner that some yeah. people would be like, well, what about Jace? Like, what happened between you and Jace? And I'm like, nothing happened he's between me and Jace. Like, back in America. He's yeah. still Jace. Um, like, oh, yeah. Always Jace. still good old when Jace. You, when you say it that way, it doesn't sound so good. It's like... Well, but people who know you know how awesome you are. No, I mean, like, be like, no, like, I still love Jace and he's still great, but I do still love Jace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, so how do you handle those questions? Well, as my mother likes to say, have conviction um, when talking to your friends and family about non-monogamy. I was wishy-washy about it at the very beginning, and she called me on it. She called me on my bullshit and was like, you don't sound like you have any conviction about this, so I don't really think that it's a thing that you're going to keep doing. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I started speaking about it with conviction that she was like, okay, I'm I'm cool now. We're we can do this. We're okay. Um, and and just show them how happy it makes you. Mm-hmm. If you can be out about it to to anyone instead of making it like the thing that is hurting your life, mm-hmm. say like, look, like I'm in a relationship with multiple people, and it's making me a better human being to be doing that. Mm-hmm. And so have conviction and show your happiness. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I always tell people at the end of the day, like, no one can argue with your happiness. Exactly. I mean, it's the same way, like, no one can argue with your pain. You know, like, if you say, like, oh, this really hurts me, like, no one can say, no, 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 like, no, it doesn't hurt you. Yeah. No, 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 you're not in pain. Whether it's physical pain, emotional pain, whatever. And it's the same thing with happiness, is if you say, like, no, really, like, I'm quite happy and satisfied. Like, really, no one can be like, no, 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 you're not actually happy. Yeah. No, you think you're happy, but but no, you're not actually happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's... You know, with happiness and pain, those are the truths that only you can actually hang on to and take ownership of and actually speak of. And in going along with that, I have found in talking with people that there's a lot of power in very intentionally not trying to convince anybody Mm -hmm. that what you're doing is better or that it's more enlightened. Um, I know for me... But it's it's solved all your problems. Right, any of that. Like in, in the early days of polyamory for me... I definitely was like, 
this is it. Like, I figured out the answers. Like, this is so much better and makes so much more sense. And, like, this is so much better than monogamy. Nah, 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 nah. And I found that you'd get a lot more backlash. backlash. Yeah. A lot more people sure. yeah. feeling like they like, need well, to you. disagree with you. Yeah. Right. And I found that, yeah, like, as I moved more and more toward explaining it in a very, almost like, I'm a very uh, tactile kinetic kind of person, but mm-hmm. almost like a leaned back way of talking about it. It's like, oh, yeah, it's it's this and this and this, and here's how I'm doing it, and this is what mine looks like. Yeah. And kind of just with this little bit of, that's just what I'm doing. And if they walk away being like, that's huh. super weird, like that's, <laughs> that that's fine, right? Yeah. That like my relationships aren't worth any less because they think I'm weird. But and I found often, that, though, by doing this, yeah. they more often do go, oh, wow. Exactly. That's really interesting. And they might come back to me a few months later, uh, especially for me being out at work. I would have people who I might have worked with for like a year who are finally like, hey, so like I've been, been meaning to like ask you about your podcast. Like, what, what was the name of that again? Or, right, or, or something like that, just because it's like, it's just there. It's kind of turning around, and I'm not pushing it on anybody, but they kind of know, like, this is a person I could ask about that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, outside of this realm of dealing with issues of invisibility, dealing with issues of other people's assumptions and misconceptions, um, there are... I'm counting off the list. Of oh, uh, well, no, we're to this... big number three. Well, no, this is not a comprehensive list. I was just about to say, so please don't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't look at Chase. <laughs> like, don't look at Chase. Um, uh, obviously, some special cases, you know, as have already been mentioned a number of times now, is um, dyadic marriage. Mm-hmm. being held as this like pinnacle of what everyone should be aiming for, um, mm-hmm. given all the best tax breaks and legal breaks and legal protections. Um, and there's a couple of different ways that people feel about this. There's, you know, there's some people in the poly community that, that think that we should push for non-monogamous marriage, um, whether that would be, you know, group marriage if a triad wanted to marry, or if it would be multiple overlapping dyadic marriages, which would mm-hmm. probably legally be a little bit easier to work out. But then there are a lot of people also who are like, no, like, why are we still holding up marriage as the thing? Yeah. You know, like, why don't we help single people have more rights and have better tax benefits and better social care? You know, like, why, why do we still keep making marriage the thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a couple of weeks ago, we watched a live stream of Diana Adams who is a lawyer and she herself is openly queer and openly poly and she works very closely with those communities. And she, um, you know, she mostly works in family creation and family disillusion, mm-hmm. you know, so creating those contracts and, and peacefully breaking those contracts as it were, or dissolving those contracts. And, you know, she was, she was very much about like, you know, approach marriage as a financial and legal tool you know, use it as a tool, you know, don't necessarily attach a lot of romantic meaning to it. Um, but just like, this is the tool that we got, right. You know, so, so she gave an example of a triad where like, you know, one dyad in the triad were married and realized that the third person needed health insurance. So they were Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, we're going to use this tool where they both had health insurance through their own jobs. jobs, Yeah. yeah, Where we're going to divorce and then use marriage as a tool to get this person health insurance. Um, similarly, uh, with citizenship Mm is another, Mm -hmm. you know, tool for marriage. Mm -hmm. If you have a triad where maybe two people are married who are from the same country and have a relationship with a third person or a fourth person or whatever, they could also dissolve their marriage to 
get citizenship for that other person, yeah. right? Similarly with child custody. Yeah. yeah. yeah if two people one. are the parent of a child, they have custody of that child simply by being its parent. Mm-hmm. And so by getting a divorce between themselves and marrying other partners, then they those partners similarly have custody yeah. of the child as step-parent. Yeah. And some people are being very creative. Some people are creating LLCs and mm-hmm. subchapter S corporations if they <laughs> want to co-parent with multiple partners. Which get them some of the benefits yeah, some, of yeah. some protections. Not all, yeah, but yeah, some. Definitely. Um, and I do have to say that... Uh, Recently, I've been getting a lot of a lot of clients who um, basically it's taught me that choosing to get married and also be polyamorous is a little bit doing it on hard mode as mm. far as dating goes, um, because mm. even if whether your marriage is very much romantically based or mm. if it is just being used as a legal tool, it still comes with like so many hundreds of years of expectation and assumption behind it that that's kind of just like another added level of what you'll have to explain to people when you're dating, you know, because a lot of marriage. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. I I found even just living with a partner that it's, if, if you do sort of more of a non-hierarchical way of polyamory, but you live with a partner, it can be very hard to get your other partners to actually understand that yeah, they're not always going to be secondary to that mm-hmm. person. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I feel like I heard some mumbles with somebody trying yeah. to say a comment back there. Oh, like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Oh yeah, yeah. That Absolutely. that's that's common too. Yeah. That's yeah. very common. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. There's something about just switching that label from like girlfriend or partner to like wife or to oh, husband God, that it's, it's just huge. yeah, yeah. Everyone talks about that. Like there was something about it when we got married that like changed the relationship <laughs> yeah. completely. Yeah, yeah. And that is something. I mean, I, I'd argue that again the same with living together or yeah. even starting to use the For label sure. of boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, whatever, yeah. that there's a change there's a at each weight. step. I yeah. think Absolutely. marriage has maybe a bigger change than the others in yeah. terms of we, we have a lot of baggage that we're raised with yeah, attached with to those labels, mm-hmm. yeah. and we're not always aware of it <laughs> until yeah. after we have the label, and it's like, God, oh, man, <laughs> like, why am I fussing over this like nitpicky thing that mm-hmm. never bothered me before, mm-hmm. but yeah. now that we're living together, it drives me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and then, okay, so the, the last thing that we wanted to talk about in terms of these other, you know, other kind of special cases for difficulties in being polyamorous in a monogamous world. Uh, and then that is specifically what we've called sex positivity backlash. And this is, for example, mm-hmm. Dedeker has had people, um, you know, comment on interviews that she's done mm-hmm. saying, you're ruining gay rights for all of us. Or no, it was, no, that was that Carrie was, Jenkins. Sorry, that wasn't that me. That. Yeah, we had Carrie yes. Jenkins on the podcast, sorry. and she herself is, is queer and poly, and having people reach out to her saying, um, no, like, like you are ruining gay rights for the rest of us. Like, we mm-hmm. just got legal we marriage so and legal recognition. We fought so hard to get monogamously married. Like, and you're the weirdo over here making us all look weird. Right, <laughs> you know? right. That, that, yeah, that there is this phenomenon of going from being an out-group to being an in-group that you want to stay in that in-group yeah. because that's where you get to get married. That's where you get to have... <laughs> yeah. That's where you get to have Workplace, workplace protection, yeah, yeah. right? That, you know, there's, there's was a lot of fighting to get it so that you can't be fired yeah. for being gay or for being trans, or at least legally you can't. Obviously, it can still happen, but you have some legal protections. There is no such protection for polyamory. Yeah. And there is this temptation to 
for those groups to distance themselves from the people who are still in the out group, whether mm-hmm. it's the kink community or the polyamory community or the, the furry community or, you know, whatever it is, yeah. uh, that there's a temptation to distance from that because it helps secure those rights that they've, that they've legitimately fought very hard to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're part of multiple of those communities, that can be hard too, because mm-hmm. you feel like you're bridging that gap mm-hmm. between this, like, yeah, we want to keep all these things that we fought mm-hmm. for. Um, but there's a, this other stuff to fight for too. Yeah. There's this Always. other stuff yeah. that's important. And so Especially it's, now. it's really important, um, to bear an awareness of, I mean, I, I think that what I see, what, what we ourselves have said many times, what I see a lot of people in the poly community saying over and over again is like, well, no, 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 it's not about sex. No, it's not about sex. Like, it's not about casual sex. It's not about just fucking as many people as possible. It's not about that. It's about love. It's about family. It's about romance. And like, yes, it is about those things. But, but it's I'm, also about sex. But there's this undercurrent of like sex negativity of yeah. being like, no, 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 it's not about that dirty, nasty sex. <laughs> like... No, we're not like that when it's, but not also acknowledging, but like, there's nothing wrong with that, you know? And so it is kind of this, like, yeah, like bridging that gap of like trying to be an easy pill to swallow while not alienating people who have sex. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So to wrap this up, we were curious if any of you had any specific things you wanted to throw out that you feel like we missed. Normally, we tell you you can just email us if that's the case. But, <laughs> but here you are. But you're live. right here. But now we're captive, so yeah, there's nothing uh, we can do about it. Or anything else that came up for you that you wanted to share before we all go and hang out and drink together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You guys brought up a lot of uh, like coping strategies or approaches and, and philosophies or ways of looking at, um, at coming out as, as polyamorous. And I'm curious how that. Um, how similar that is to the struggles that um, uh, LGBTQ folks have had in, in having that recognized or coming out themselves. Yeah. Like, how much of that translates over? Well, I mean, could we hear from some LGBTQ yeah. people who've had that experience of coming out? Not that, not that I just want to clarify, because I hate when this happens, not that we're expecting any single person as part of the LGBT community <laughs> to, to speak, speak on for behalf the rest. of the yeah, whole exactly. community. Yeah, no, exactly. That's, I, so that's a... <laughs> well i mean i think that in a way we the poly community has looked to the lgbt Mm -hmm. rights movement specifically so not like the community or the individuals but sort of the whole movement as a role model in a way Mm -hmm. because they've done a lot of this first you know Mm -hmm. um something i like to point out is the fact that just just looking at my own family and my own lifetime Mm -hmm. uh people who you know, especially for someone who questioned my sexuality fairly early on, um, having a family that was very like not accepting of that, and then Will and Grace was on TV. Mm-hmm. Seriously, no joke. That it that it just he you know it was still like oh that's weird, but it became a little more normal, right? And then Ellen came out, yeah. and it became a little more normal. And there was sort of this process of that happening in television. Mm -hmm. And I think we're starting to see the beginnings of that with non-monogamy and polyamory. At least I hope. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That I am starting to see that. That's a great question, though. It's something that I I don't think we have a great answer for necessarily. But I do think it's something to watch and start seeing those similarities. Well, it's kind of tricky because of the fact that, sure, I mean, the process of coming out as anything 
bears similarities, yeah. you know, any process of like something that I'm hiding, something that's true about myself that I can't show to the world. And then I have to have these conversations many, many times actually showing that true self to the world. And all of those experiences between the LGBT are very different coming out experiences, you know, with different stakes and very different stakes and very different reactions, depending on what family you were raised in, who it is that you're coming out to, what community you're in. Um, and so, for instance, you know, the experience of someone who is trans and poly and coming out about both those things is probably yeah. going to be a very different experience from someone who's like white and heteronormative and coming out as poly yeah. and not necessarily to put it on a scale of like one being worse than the other, but it is just going to be different, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, um, even though it's kind of the same process. I don't know if that answered your question at all. <laughs> I see one over here, yeah. Yeah, a great resource for us when we opened our marriage was, uh, was to get a, a good therapist who understood us. Our, our first therapist yeah. just wanted to get us back into monogamy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> and she's just being a treat to work with, and, uh, with all sorts of stuff. So, it's a great resource. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, um, we just did yeah, we just did a couple that. episodes yeah. ago. We talked about like getting poly friendly counseling, and yeah, there's some great, great resources. There's the CAP directory, the KAP mm -hmm. directory. If you Google it, you can find it. There's the open list um, yeah. as well that will give you a whole mm -hmm. list of professionals who are familiar with kink and queer and yeah, yeah all those communities. Yeah. Uh, I saw a hand over in the back wall over there. Um, I can kind of relate to a lot of this. I come from a culture that still does arranged marriage. Oh um, yeah. and. Uh, I am also pagan, um, so we talk a lot about labels in that community, and I'm mm -hmm. kind of new to poly. That's where I met people who were polyamorous, and I was kind of curious. And um, I think that a lot of what I did was let other people define what that meant to me. Sure. And it was, you know, because of years of being inundated with one person, especially in my culture, you know, where the 20s was like, oh, it's getting late for that marriage thing. You know, I'm 33, not married, I don't have any kids. And people are just like... <laughs> you know, and, then, and then you find out, you know, that you're pagan, and then you know, then you say, "Well, I, 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 I date people," mm -hmm. you know. So it's kind of um, if you're kind of, if you're new to this and you're trying to explain it to somebody who is curious about it, because my parents are very supportive, very loving, very understanding. Yeah. So you know, they keep saying, "Well, we want to understand what is it, mm -hmm. what is it that you're doing." I'm having I'm having a really hard time trying to explain what it is. I, mean, I have your copy of the book here. That's why I was like, oh, yeah. the answers here. We talk to her. Write this down. I'm trying to talk to my parents and explain. <laughs> nice. I think. I mean, what? Like you're gonna call them up on the phone tonight and? I mean, it's a great first step that they have expressed to you. Like, we want to understand. Like, yeah, that's fantastic. That's um, I always recommend people to... Um, Dr. Elizabeth Sheff, she wrote a book called When Someone You Love is Polyamorous. Mm -hmm. And it's a very short book. I think you can buy it on Amazon for like two fifty right now, like the ebook version. Very, very affordable. Um, I actually it, ordered like multiple physical copies of it just to just have to, like, them for this out. purpose. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And it's it's fantastic. It's so accessible. She handles like all of the major questions. And it's interesting because she herself does not identify as polyamorous. Mm -hmm. She's just done a ton of research on poly families specifically. So she's like this expert 
who is herself not necessarily trying to push or do you know a missionary agenda, quest yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> of, of getting people to convert and so that's usually what I recommend to people mm. um, and of course understanding that this is going to be multiple multiple conversations with them answering mm-hmm. all their questions you know giving your own answers to those questions as well but yeah. but a resource like that can be very helpful because it comes from someone who's an expert who's written a lot about this researched yeah. a lot about this and that, the question sometimes that I always get is that don't you want someone who just focuses on you and only you and you haven't really had that so don't you want that Mm -hmm. you know it was sort of weird for me because I think about relationships that I have with friends and Mm -hmm. you know I don't expect all of them to check all the boxes that I have you know for friendship and for emotional connection so we have more than one friend and so I'm starting to look at my you know I'm starting to look at relationships that way and try to explain it that way to to my parents my dad you know he, he just kind of goes well I want you to be happy that's yeah. good. If you'll find somebody that yeah. makes you happy or whatever it is that you want to do, mm-hmm. that's fine as long as you're happy. So I, I said, you know, we can always keep talking about it, but yeah. it was a lot of it was I, I didn't have support more so from friends. Mm-hmm. My parents were more willing to be supportive, but a lot of my friends were just like, oh, you don't have any self respect because you know, mm-hmm. one guy wants to see other people and you're not sure. And I said I was open to it, but you know, mm-hmm. they were very like, mm, this is a very anonymous thing. You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that whole part is such a a tricky thing too, because there's a lot of that gendered part to it. Sure. When yeah. when yeah. you're in a, a male female relationship, yeah. where there is that kind of assumption that, well, women just by nature wouldn't want that, yeah. right? Because women don't actually want sex; it's just something that they do to get a husband or right. Yeah. So right, like that's all the the bullshit that's packed yeah, inside of that. Bullshit. And it is one of those things. It's yeah. It's it's unfortunate how, to a certain extent, you kind of just have to like let them think those things, and it yeah. sucks because it is hard to undo all that programming yeah, in there. And it's it is a lot of baggage there. It sounds like you're on the right track, though. Yeah. It, of course, yeah, of course, as we all have. This Holly thing like the eyes wide shut party. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's way better than that. You know, Nicole Kidman laugh. <laughs> If only it was an eyes wide shut. I just want Nicole Kidman to be there. (laughs) Naked Nicole Kidman. Um, Something that I've said to my my parents and my friends is that I love finding different parts of myself through the lens of the people that I'm with. Um, And you do that with friends, but so often, I mean, me specifically, I wasn't great in monogamous relationships just simply because I kind of stopped progressing and moving forward every time I was in a monogamous relationship. And it's so nice to be able to be, you know, looking through the lens of what other people see and kind of finding out different awesome parts of yourself through those relationships. So I guess I just encourage you to to talk about that and like how much you're learning about yourself and how much you're growing as a human being just simply because you get to be with multiple people and how wonderful that is. Well, yeah. All right. On that note, Thank you for bringing us so much. Uh-huh. Uh, we, oh, yes. we wrote in our notes here that San Diego is a feisty group. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I read that. <laughs> you guys are fantastic. Uh, I love yeah. all the participation in mm-hmm. this. 
Um, if you want to check out more of our stuff, if you don't already know, it's at MultiAmory.com. You can find our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever fine podcasts are sold for free uh, <laughs> by searching for Multiamory. Uh-huh. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, all those mm-hmm. places. Yeah. So we're going to be hanging out just downstairs in the lobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bar will still be open. Our friendly bartender, Ralph, will still be pouring drinks. Um, <laughs> so feel free to hang out, mingle around. We'll probably just kind of put some things away up here and then head down to hang out with all y'all. Um, I did write a book, as a matter of fact. It's um, wonderful. Which is available. Oh, thank you. Um, which is available downstairs. I will be signing copies if you're so interested in that. Um, and now we have a few thank yous. Yeah, uh, thank you to Paul, who's in the back there. He is our gorgeous roadie who has been with us uh, this entire tour. So thank you for all that you do and all that you are. You're wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, thank you once more to, to our patrons. awesome patrons or patros, as we started calling them. Thank you to our patrons. So thank you. Um, uh, thank you to the Diversionary Theater, yeah, who was seriously. the only successful place we found slash the, only the place best. Our calls. Yeah, but they're <laughs> the also the best. One. They're so also cool. The best one. Yeah, so thank great. you so, so much. Thank you to the theater. And, and last but not least, um, thank, thank you, you to San Diego. San Diego. <laughs> 